Hi, Jim here. Thanks for listening to this past episode of the Ski Podcast. Since releasing this podcast, we have a new supporter of the show. The Ski Podcast is now supported by Switzerland Tourism. They will be helping us explore some of the 355 ski destinations across the country, from famous names of Samaritz, Lax, Davos and Zermatt, to the lesser-known resorts that cover their mountainous land. We will be reporting on them and telling interesting stories about the people who live and work there. In total, there are 7,067 kilometres of slopes to ski and 1,800 lifts to ride and at least 80 of them are funiculars, which is good because I do love a good funicular. Well, there's a lot to do, so while we get on with that, you can get on with listening to this episode of the Ski Podcast. Thanks, listener, and thanks, Switzerland Tourism. Hello, this is the Ski Podcast in association with the Chill Factory, the North West's premier indoor ski and snow centre. Interesting fact, the average snow depth of the slope is 450 millimetres, that's 45 centimetres to you in, um, and that is the equivalent to 12 standard council swimming pools. That's a good fact. Yes. Yeah, um, I would never have thought about it in those terms before, but um, yeah, that's a... I thought everything was measured either in terms of the size of whales or double-decker buses. Yeah, it's a, I like the fact it's council swimming pool, not Olympic, because, you know, there we go. Um, as always, and you just heard in there, um, the show is hosted by Ian Martin and myself, Jim Duncan. On today's show, we'll be chatting about the ski industry get-together that we call Listex, uh, chatting to Don Kininger, editor in the snow. I have been to the Chill Factory to chat to the guys um, who build the snow park. And we will find out how to put your ski boots on properly. And there's lots more um, electric chat along the way. Ian, I've got some sad yep. news. It's about my plans to move to Verbier. Uh, <laughs> um, initially, yep. initially, my application was approved. But then sadly, the Swiss Federal Police have got involved and said that they suspect me of lending money illegally and that I may have criminal connections, which I think is unfair. Um, I can only assume that it's uh, down to me lending uh, a fibre to my mate Rob, who's a Chelsea season ticket holder. Right. Is this some kind of vague reference to Roman Abramovich and also Liverpool? Yeah, I've, I've read actually that Roman Abramovich had a similar problem to me, which is strange. Um, but uh, there's other football news as well in this football podcast. In this football podcast, well, strange you should mention Verbier and the uh, the Chelsea. Yeah, they've um, started a partnership with Liverpool FC. Man United often get a a slagging off for having noodle partners and things like this, but um, Liverpool are the first Premier League football club to have teamed up with a ski resort. I'm wondering how that partnership is going to work out. What, what does the? I don't really get it. Why would why do they need to partner with um, a ski? Presumably, resort? they get money out of it to pay Mo Salah's wages or something like that. Uh, but Verbier, you know, are hoping that it'll increase the awareness of, of the Swiss resort and and position themselves as the leading alpine destination in new markets. Which, to be honest what's with you, the they might be the thinking difference? about you know Asia, China. Uh, Etc. Where there's you know huge exposure for the uh, for the Premier League, and those are those uh, those new markets. Probably not thinking about the UK. What's the what's the difference between a premier uh, a partnership and a, a sponsorship? Does it mean they're not on the shirts? I suppose there's not much space on the shirts, but I believe they're going to be. Um, it says uh, somewhere in the uh, thing they're going to be handing out um, 
uh, marketing material at the ground and e-marketing and things like that. But in January, for all Liverpool fans, there's going to be a Liverpool week in the Verbier calendar. And there'll be a, a host. Uh, they're going to host a week of Liverpool themed activities for the guests and resort, which is a, a cue for cliches, which I've avoided so far. I'm just imagining loads of people in um, Scouse wigs yeah. running around yeah, Verbier. But if you're like amazing. a Man United fan or an Everton fan and you ended up in Verbier during Liverpool week, that would probably, and, and if, maybe if there was no snow as well, that would be your worst nightmare, wouldn't it? That would be awful. Um, also, you know, if I was a Liverpool football player, which I'm not, um, I'd be really excited and then I'd go, oh, but you probably won't let me go no, skiing, will you? They're, they're definitely not allowed to go skiing uh, within their contracts um, during the season. People like um, David David Ginla, who I met a few years ago, he, uh, skied after uh, his career in Majev quite a lot. And I met Eric Cantona, who skied over in uh, in Teen a few times. But uh, generally, once they're, if they're in their career, they're not allowed to uh, get away. That also applies to rugby players. Um, who are not allowed to ski, but sometimes do. Because I was in a, a bar in Mirabel, um somewhere in the 2000s, and Mike Catt, the uh, England rugby player as part of the World Cup winning team, was there. And I, I thought, oh, well, this is a good story. I'll cover this. And he said, I said to him, do you mind if I take a photo? And he said, no, you're not allowed to because I'm not going to be here. So he was there under, well, undercover. He wasn't that undercover. He was drinking loads of beers with people. But he wasn't going to be there. Do you think this um, this is going to get extended? Would um, Grimsby Town sponsor Courchevel? Do you think, or <laughs> vice versa? Yeah, I mean it's got to be, hasn't it? I don't know who he could he could match the, uh, them up with. I'm amazed, you know, Man United haven't done it, but um, there got to be some you know, some uh, some matches around. You would have thought Chelsea and Courchevel, perhaps, with a Russian connection. Chelsea and Courchevel. Um, what about Manchester United and uh, Dobrynishit in uh, Bulgaria? <laughs> yeah, well, away they go at the moment, yes. But back to the ski podcast. Have you noticed there's been some snow in the Alps? Uh, I have noticed that there's some snow in the Alps, that's right. So, yeah, tell me about it. Well, it's not there anymore. Most of it's already melted. But last, last weekend there was some snow and, and that got everyone excited on social media. I'm looking at a webcam of Val Torrens at the moment and there is zero snow at 2,300 metres. It looks like there might be some kind of up at maybe 3,000 or something like that. And they're due to open on the 17th of November. So I think that's... There's also been snow in um, Canada as well, Banff um, and Lake Louise, uh, that um, that area. There's been huge snow. Like There have been people proper deep powder skiing, face shots, a lot. Great videos for that. In Canada. Yeah, and in Norway, they've also had quite a lot, haven't they? Um, I've not been keeping an eye on the Norway um, snow. Yeah, but as far as Europe goes, not at the moment. But, you know, it's the 5th of October, so it doesn't matter yet. New snow, hashtag winter's coming, or winter's coming, hashtag, as I believe you told me as I say it. Um, We're talking about new snow. What about new lifts, Ian? We haven't had any new lift news for a while. Uh, Well, there's been a a whole plethora of new lifts in the last, well, week, I suppose. Uh, In Zermatt, they've opened um, their 3S uh, gondola, which is basically the new lift that's going up to uh, Klein Matterhorn. They've been working on this for, I don't know, four years or something like that. And it opened uh, last weekend. 
and uh, yeah, it's going to be very plush, very fast. A few of the cabins are sponsored by um, uh, what's that brand? Z Zwarovski. The uh, probably you've got loads of kind of jewelry and diamond encrusted uh, rings from them. No. No, I don't, I don't yeah, well, a few, a few of the cabins is it yeah, are, are, are sponsored by them, and they are even plusher than the regular ones. And they actually have a. Uh, if it's not a Casio watch, Ian, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, they have a floor that um, is is opaque to start off with. You can't see through it, and then as you go up the lift, it it turns visible. So you're basically standing on a glass floor above the, uh, you know, around 200 meters above the ground. So, yeah, I mean, I guess you wouldn't be in a cable car if you had a fear of heights anyway, but. Probably what that's one to avoid if uh, if you have. It's not necessarily true. Um, you know, Dave from If You Ski, friend yes. of the show, um, I went to Lazart with. He's scared of heights, won't fly, and he does go spends a lot of time on chairlifts and stuff. But he has to really wow. push himself. That is uh, that's surprising. He certainly wouldn't like the lifting team then that they've uh, they've opened um, on the Grand Mot uh, Glacier cable car is a 17 million upgrade and basically it's like a normal cable car but there's a little section on the top where you, which is open air and you can you can stand out there 100 people can stand outside but only in the summer you can't do it yeah which i thought was a strange old thing to kind of open it and tell everyone about it uh, now but yeah they, they, to do with uh, the weather conditions well, we did get invited to the ground. No, we, we got we? invited. The ski podcast got an invite uh, to it, which um, is good to hear that our uh, our name has spread that far. I wouldn't have minded having a go in it. I think they were getting confused with that um, funicular podcast. But I mean, it looks pretty weird. But you wouldn't want to go on that one if if you had a fear of heights uh, at all. No, not at all. It, it is quite high. There's more lift news, actually. Did you hear that um, the, and probably in your other podcast, but the uh, funicular at Aviemore <laughs> has been closed on a, well, you know, possibly a permanent basis? Yeah, that is really sad. It's I've, sad. I've never been on it. I've walked past it a couple of times, but I've never been on it. Right. You, what, not too cheap to buy a lift pass? Just walk up. Uh, no, I was, we were did we did a long distance walk from the other direction, and you know, may as well finish the walk. It was quite a long one, right? Without okay. skis. Okay. Well, that's, I hope, that's they, my I hope they sort uh, that day. out because um, you know a lot of other well, Cairngorm is just having a lot of uh, a lot of difficulties, and uh, if that lift isn't running, it's going to make it even worse. Yeah, and one less um, one less finicky in the world is a sad place to be. Um, do you know, Ian? We're not the only people that podcast about skiing. Uh, go on, tell me who the other people are. Well, there's lots of other people. Well, there's not lots of other people. There's a few. But one, and I'm going to thank um, Ellie from um, uh, the Apro Ski Band people that I met at Listex, which we'll talk about later. Um, she said, oh, did you listen to the Adam Buxton podcast, which I really like anyway, but I hadn't listened to the one where he goes to Morzine um, on a chalet, com chalet holiday with a company called Alley Cats. Oh, yeah. Um, and he goes on holiday with Doogie from um, the, the popular um, rock band Travis and his family. And it is really quite funny. It's an interesting take on 
um, the ski holiday from someone who is naturally very funny. So I'm just going to suggest that you, that you rec- I recommend that you have a listen to it. I'll track it's it down. Completely different to what we do. I was do. a big fan of uh, Adam and Joe back in the day. I haven't listened to his podcast, though. So there we go. That's all I wanted to say. Let's um, let's start talking about Listexian. But I think first of all, should we um, listen to the interview that you did with um, Dominic Killinger? Okay, I'm I'm here at uh, Listex, and I'm with Dom Killinger, and he's publisher of In the Snow magazine. And I've uh, recently discovered that you're planning to uh, to change the the design of the magazine a, a little bit. Yeah, um, right. what, What's the new format going to be then? So uh, we've spent around 10 years in this same tabloid size format and about three or four years ago we did a bit of a redesign but this year I really looked at it and thought we're spending such a lot of money on producing content, writing content, photography um, and the whole production of the magazine but it's still a fairly disposable magazine being that big tabloid size so this year we've decided to go slightly smaller, heavier paper um, heavier paper throughout and a thicker cover and perfect bound so all of a sudden it becomes much more of a, a magazine that people would want to keep okay okay because um so how many how many copies or what's your distribution so we produce fifty-five thousand copies a month yeah we've got 600 locations in the peak of the season we do flex that slightly throughout the season so yeah. for example someone like eurostar and the airports want them they only want the sort of december january copies they don't want the earlier copies so okay. it does flex and how many issues do you produce every winter four issues a season yeah, because, it, so you said you've been running in the snow for 10 years now? Yeah, I'm not, I can't remember whether this is our 10th or 11th season. Yeah. We started, the first issue ever we produced was a March, and I need to look back, but I think yeah. this is our 11th season, if you count that as being yeah, the first and you season. Came, you, must, you, you came in then at a time where, you know, magazines have had a bit of a hard time with yeah, the absolutely. growth of, uh, of digital media, yeah. yet, you know, you, you probably had, it's hard for me to remember now, but, uh, you know, a few other competitors fall along the wayside yeah. as we go on yeah. Yeah, what do you attribute your ability to survive in the market <laughs> at then so um, the very first meeting I ever had was with Snow and Rock oh, yeah. and we established a core distribution with Snow and Rock and the very first thing we did yeah. they said we're happy to do this but you'll never make a success of this magazine <laughs> I said don't worry about that just worry about can I distribute it in your stores right. I think the key to success genuinely has been free distribution people don't want to pay for content you know, when they can get content online for free, yeah. they do not want to be paying for a magazine. But when you offer them a free magazine, actually, I think the choice is, yes, I'd prefer a magazine to online. They stare at screens 10 hours a day, yeah. six, seven days a week, and what they don't want to be doing in their leisure time is staring at a screen for even longer. <laughs> and I think the, ge- the genuine reason is, is the free and quality, you know, quality content. Yeah. Okay, now, I mean, that, that uh, uh, makes sense, and I yeah. can see how that's, uh, that's worked. But there are still some... Some magazines, or is it only the uh, the Telegraph one that goes on the newsstand? Do people pay for any other ski magazines? <laughs> Not that I'm aware of. I mean, you don't really see them like you used to. They used yeah. to be a shelf, you know, almost dedicated to them. Yeah, in WH Smith, they used yeah. to have the ski exactly. section, exactly. didn't yeah. they? Yeah, and that doesn't seem to exist. And I've even I, I I was told recently. I don't know whether it's true that the Telegraph isn't in WH Smith's anymore. I don't know whether right. that's the truth. Whether that's the truth, but. Which is a real shame. I think you do still have that airport space that needs filling. Um, you know, when it comes to that sort of, you know, buying that big glossy. But yeah. maybe we're going to fill that space. Okay. And so the new magazine, the new version of the magazine. When will that first one be available then? So it goes to print tomorrow, which I'm super excited about, which yeah. is the 26th of September. Yeah. And it'll be out on Monday morning. 
on Monday morning. And uh, where are some of the places that uh, listeners can pick them oh, up you from? Can pick those up at places like Bartlett's and Blues and Go Outdoors and um, Snow, Snow and Rock. Yeah, Snow and Rock. And then uh, all the indoor snow slopes yeah. where you can ski indoors, all the plastic ski yeah. slopes, all the ski clubs. Yeah, I just picked up a copy of what I guess must be like a preview uh, issue for this uh, winter that, just now. It's actually probably from March that's just gone. Oh, is so that right? I, I bought I some specials along for listeners. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Great. All right. Well, thanks for that, Dom, and uh, good luck with the new magazine. Thank you very much. So essentially, what you were saying in that that interview there, there's no more paid ski magazines. Is that right, Ian? And I don't think that's strictly true because um, the, the Telegraph Ski and Snowboard is still one that you can buy, four ninety nine an episode, if, uh, an episode, an issue, uh, if you want it. Um, and Full Line is also a paid for magazine. Um, however, I think a lot of the people who who buy them probably don't buy them, you know, from WHMS like they did back in the day. They probably have them on subscription. So what um, what do you think people do read then, Ian, if a lot of people aren't reading magazines? Well, firstly, they probably go to podcasts for their information, I would imagine. Oh, totally. Yeah, um, and otherwise um, it's that internet thing, isn't it? The World Wide Web. Yeah, I mean, yeah, what do you do? I mean, I look at Fallline online. It's a pretty good um, uh, online portal for snow news and information and um, uh, features, which I quite like. But what I quite liked about Fallline... Um, the last time I was reading is that I, clearly the readership is definitely getting older because mm. you assume like it's a particularly cool magazine, but they've got articles about hip replacement versus the mountain and the snow chaser going skiing in your motorhome. Okay. Well, motorhome skiing, I don't know. There's a thing to that, but I guess you probably need to be a bit older to what afford to do it rather than kind of going mm. in your, in your combi van or in a car where you've just shoved the mattress in the back. Well, that's it. I think about 15 years ago, that was probably the article that Four Line wrote <laughs> doing a season, yeah. doing a season in your camper yeah. van in the car park in Chamonix, where now they're doing uh, um, do uh, a snow chasing session in your 20 mm. million pound motor. Hip replacement. Though. I'll have to. Well, I don't uh, research <laughs> that one. Uh, and what about uh, yourself at Listex? How did you find it there? I, um, I had a nice time. Got up with some old people. Old and, people, or uh, you know, like well, readers of Full Line. There. Yeah, there was readers. We're going to get a really um, nasty complaint letter from um, Matey at Full Line. My readers are not old. Yeah, but you know, if they write us a, a letter, then that proves they're all old. Yeah, I don't think they'd even find our postal address. <laughs> but um, um, yeah, I, I agree. It's a very nice networking event, catching up with a lot of people. Um, you know finding out just what's going on in the industry, different different thoughts. There was a lot of chat about young people uh, and Instagram and things like that, which uh, I found quite interesting. Yeah, there was yeah loads of chat about millennials, which I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say I'm a millennial because I act like <coughs> I'm three years out there, two years out the bracket. So, you know, I'm going for it. Yeah, yeah well, millennials, yeah, they're becoming important uh, to the ski industry because the older people are dying off. When we were when we were at this decks, it was nice to see you in. Shall I say, yes. like to say that? It was nice to physically yeah, FaceTime, always good. Um Yeah, actual FaceTime. Um there was a session where James Gambrell um presented some um facts about the ski industry about the last few years. And um, what did you take away from that? Uh, well I thought that uh, 
he'd only just got hold of all of that uh, uh, data, but really, really interesting uh, uh, data that they'd uh, taken. You know, possibly a few of the things needed a, a bit more, uh, you know, clarification. But um, you know, the, the work they've done the last few years has been has been pretty good, and I guess it's that insight into the the demographics, the, the age thing that we were talking about, uh, you know, before, and. Um, you know the the type of resorts and countries that people prefer. Um, I did some. I've, I helped him out. So James, if you're listening, I've got some further right. statistics. You ready for this, Ian? Um, so he said that they reckon 2.8 billion pounds is spent with the British ski industry. Was that right? Uh, could be. I don't have the numbers in front of me now, and I, I don't think they've was... published it. But go on. I think that was the right start. So I've worked out that if we look at the nation as a whole, um, the top 10% have 53% of the wealth. So, you know, they're basically spending half of that on their ski holidays. So they're accounting for 1.4 billion, roughly, of the ski holidays. Um, if we break it down, that would mean, in percentage-wise, there's probably about 12,000 10% of skiers, which means they're spending £117,000 on skiing a year. When the rest of us are just spending seven hundred and five pounds. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure about the <laughs> um, about your maths there, but I actually found my tweet that I sent out at the time on Skipedia. Yeah, they so Mintel estimated the ski market at being two point seven billion. Is that right? Is that what you did? Yeah, and yeah, you've extrapolated That's it from that. From well, it me. might be all the clothing and everything like that as well, but who knows? Okay, maybe those guys at the top of the tree are spending the most. Now that now I've managed to find those tweets. Actually, one of the most interesting things he, he, their research showed is that 4% of skiers would like less snowfall rather than more snowfall. And I wondered who those people were. Who would want less snow? People who really hate skiing but go because they're forced yeah. to. Yeah, or they go, they thought, oh, I know, I'll go at Easter because uh, it'll be really sunny and then it snows. The people who whose only ski holiday is the yeah. last week in April. Fairly miserable people, basically. Well, not not saying people are going the last week of the yeah. one. I know what you mean. Um, following on from that, though, Ian, did you watch the ski club industry report online the other day, or did you attend it? I didn't attend because uh, it was too early. I didn't watch it because by the time I got round to clicking that link, it had all finished. And I have looked at a little bit of their uh, research, but not the whole thing because it's far too many pages. It is quite long. I didn't um, watch most of it. I think the feed kind of broke up at one point. Um, interesting stats I found, though, was 50% of skiers who book lessons book intermediate lessons. Okay. That kind of makes sense to me. Yeah, well, I spoke to a lot of people um, following that, and they all said that they feel that that's not correct, that the, the majority, I spoke to some ski instructors about it, the majority of people that come to them are beginners, um, which makes me wonder if beginners are booking intermediate lessons and then the ski instructors are disagreeing with their own um, appraisal of themselves. Well, it could be. People often, you know, overestimate uh, their own abilities, don't they? Um, so that that's a you know a reasonable possibility. I, I was just looking at the ages. You know, they were sort of suggesting there's this uh, trend again towards, uh, you know, younger and increasing number of younger people uh, going skiing and uh, a reduction in the older numbers that sort of trend that we're generally generally seeing across the board 
I liked um, the fact that um, do you know everyone's second favourite activity to do is in a ski resort after skiing? Snowball fight. No, spa. Oh yeah. And that is why everyone invests in hot tubs and saunas. 50% of the people said that they'd like to have a sauna or a hot tub or a spa session after skiing. Right. They should go to Finch Prunies. Lots of very nice spas down there. You don't really want Absolutely. to get... Do you really want to get in a hot tub that, you know, like 10 other people have already been in? Yeah, it doesn't really appeal to me. And also, you shouldn't do it for the first few days of skiing because your muscles, for the people who aren't, you know, who don't warm up and um, ski a lot, your muscles are still quite um, tight. You should be having cold baths to relax to sort your muscles out and then move on to the hot tub yeah i bet you don't do that though do you oh, i don't do either and 93 percent of people own a helmet these days i am in the seven percent you don't own a helmet no well that's not a good example to set to your kids is it jim it's on it's on my purchase list i will have one i'm gonna get one safety first. and safety first um skiing second and the other thing, the interesting, I don't, this is a personal stat that I found interesting, that um, when they were asked to list the, the newspaper that they read the most, um, 30% said The Telegraph, um, which was matched equally with 30% of Guardian readers. And then The Daily Mail was down at 22%. I don't know why that surprises me or interests me, but there you go. That's my, um, my favourite fact from the whole thing. OK, I like it. Um, let's have a listen to this clip who knew that cows were so musical only in switzerland to me ian that sounds like the grumpiest man in the world who really hates cows and is really cross at them <laughs> playing bells what was going on why are you so cross ah uh, well i did mention <laughs> i did mention in my last uh, in the in the last pod that i was doing this uh, race over in switzerland um and yeah this is i don't know about seven in the morning or something like that i think i'd probably run you know 50 kilometers or something uh by then i i wasn't that cross it was they were just so loud it was just i just really viewers, viewers listeners go and look at the video i've never seen a man so pissed off <laughs> really? yeah well that's because i'm tired i just you know you, you when you hear cowbells they're normally at the side of a ski race and people are you know uh, uh encouraging people on in their in their in their race you don't often really see them on cows on the mountain. And um, there was just a cacophony of cowbells, which, um, which you know, was a good way of waking everyone up at that time in the morning. But it was just very impressionable. So I'm here with uh, Paddy Griffith from Husky. You might remember he was on the ski podcast uh, a little while back. Um, how did you find uh, the feedback from that? Um, well, I was staggered. Not only did several people I know text me and say they'd heard it, but actually we got three business leads out of it where people contacted us and said, wow, you're doing food in the Alps. Uh, we're looking for someone just like you. And we set up business meetings that have led to actual business. Wow, I love it. So not only does that prove we actually have listeners, but some of those listeners have a commercial value uh, to you as well. That is great news. So best of luck this winter, Paddy. Thank you very much. OK, then, I am 
in a big fridge, or the box you call it, is that the right? Snow box. The snow box. The snow box. I'm with Ryan Cooper at the Chill Factory. He is the snow sports scheduler. Indeed. What did you say, scheduler? Scheduler, yeah, maybe that's just my accent. Maybe. Um, I do the uh, setting of instructors on lessons, um, look after the kids' snow school, look after the terrain challenges that we're talking about today, also do work with the um, sponsored athletes that we have, um, and multiple different things. So let's start talking about you, first of all. Yes. Um, you look like a hardcore skier to me. <laughs> I think that's a lie. Baggy clothes and hats um, would say differently. Um, I've been skiing and snowboarding for a while now. I learned when I was a very young age. I used to go out to the mountains. I used to come down to Chill Factory and, and hit the indoor slopes. Um, it, I started working at Chill Factory as one of the snow crew team members. Um, I was on the ground, on the lifts, uh, manning them. I'm working and playing out on the snow pretty much every single day. Uh, that led me to then develop a love and a passion for snowboarding specifically. I do like skiing, I am dual qualified, um, so I can teach both. However, snowboarding is where my love is. Um, I then I took my instructor qualifications because of my enjoyment and love for teaching people as well. I'm quite a people's person, so um, fit quite nicely into what I wanted to do for my career. So yeah, I've been here a while now. <laughs> um, so. The Chill Factory, it isn't just um, 180 metres slope, there's a lot more to it than that. Um, we're on the balcony, it's minus four. Yes. Um, to the right there is a drag lift and uh, a nicely groomed wide slope, but on the left um, there's a bit more interest. Um, tell us about it. Yeah, so um, as well as all the lessons that we provide, um, we also have other activities including the snow park, but for a bit of main slope fun activities, um, named Terrain Challenge. Uh, we put out features on the main slope for a variety of different reasons. Guys that want to come down and ride berms, guys that might want to just start to learn how to ride the basics of freestyle um, and then developing all the way up to, we hold also uh, events out here, so uh, freestyle events that include Sub Jam, we've recently had a charity event, we've got a bank slalom on this weekend, so really providing um, something that is a variety uh, for the skiers to come down and have a go with and just not have to ride a flat slope 24-7. Now you uh, said to me in the virtual green room that we were hanging out in yeah. that um, it's now the terrain challenge but before that it was essentially just what, a, a big park? Yeah, so we used to have um, a big freestyle park out bi-weekly. Um, we had feedback to suggest that it wasn't quite meeting the demand for um, what the every slope user would want. So we, we cut back on what we were actually putting out on the slope and tried to specify what was going out there um, based on feedback from people. Um, currently with the Terrain Challenge setup that we have, um, we offer an opportunity for people to uh, give us feedback via email and suggest features that they would like, just to try and make it even more inclusive for the guys that are regularly coming down and using it. Um, so it has been a big step change but the feedback so far has been positive um, and then we are still able to get the big parks out for events and things like that so they don't, they're not completely gone from the slope. When we say big, how big can we go? Uh, we've, had done, we've had in excess of 22 features before which is, which is pretty big. Um, it gets quite busy out there um, but it's a good so a time. So slope style? Yeah, slope style courses. Um, we have Brits events here that are, you know, they've organised um, they run them in places such as Lax in Switzerland as well, but the, the British equivalent we hold um, we hold here, that was just the other month. Now, I would say that you get a lot of people who want to um, go on like a box just for fun, try it out. Also, I'm guessing that you have uh, a hardcore 
set of users who yeah. come and really want to tackle some ink. Yeah. What do you provide for them? When do you provide it? Is it like an evening thing? Um, so the terrain challenges uh, evolves throughout the week. On uh, We build the first instalment on a Wednesday evening, use the Peace Basher late at night when the snow's coming down. Um, we get a team of people that come down and put all the features out on the snow. Um, and then the second build is on a Thursday evening and the idea is that the, the park, the terrain challenges evolve throughout the week to get increasing in difficulty to then try and, try and reach them guys. Um, we also look at the different types of features that are going out so we might on one week have um, some, some really easy boxes for the beginners to come down and have a bash of and then we might have other things like drop down tabletops like you can see out there just now um, that appeal to the more advanced kind of riders. And um, what do you? What's your favourite? I think my favourite feature is just such a schoolboy question. Well, it. It what's is. your favourite? Can uh, you tell me your favourite um, feature? <laughs> I think I'm going to say the rainbow box. Um, not just because I enjoy riding it, but when it is out, it is a bit. It is a fun feature, and you can see the smiles on everyone's faces as they're gliding over it. It's not too difficult either, so it's really inclusive for everybody to ride. So I think that would probably be my favourite feature. And how often do you get out on that? Um, I go out every single week on, the, on week. the terrain challenges. I get out there at least um, every Thursday. We also have staff shred in the morning so we can ride it whilst no one else is out there, which is quite nice. Um, but yeah, we have a lot of guys, a lot of my friends come down Thursday, Friday evenings um, and just go out from the session from about 6pm. Come down and see us. <laughs> how, how, um, how does this sort of setup help you know, your average snowboarder who wants to improve and then go and really impress? when they get to the get to the slopes well everybody's got um everybody's I know got, i laughed at people <laughs> everybody's got different um abilities of course we offer at the chill fans we offer flatland freestyle lessons as well so my suggestion to people is always get involved with that first get used to doing things like 180s um jumping just ollieing on the flat um, and really get the balance and and all the components that you need to be able to tackle these features first um, and then coming down, we offer coaching of evenings as well, so I always suggest doing some coaching. We have um, open coaching for some of the members on specific evenings too, which provides a free opportunity for them to have a go and actually get direction from a qualified coach. Um, but yeah, just coming down and assessing the features, seeing, um, seeing somebody of a similar ability and watching them hit features is often a good way to check if you're going to be stacking it or if you're going to be, you're going to be cruising along them. So... Um, yeah. Um, recently, you had um, some British snowboarding royalty here. Yes. In the form of uh, is a Mr. Billy Morgan. Is yes, right? indeed. So um, did he give you some good feedback? He did. We had um, it was a terrain challenge. We we initially wanted Billy to design some of the features, but unfortunately, it didn't quite work out. Um, we had a competition, and we had um, the previous weeks of terrain challenges. We asked people to take photographs. Um, or send in little edits of what they've been doing out here and then we chose some competition winners they came down and met Billy with our sponsored athletes um, and they hit the slopes and did some did some flips and spins and it was yeah it was good um, in turn I wasn't actually here on the day that Billy came down I was a little bit uh, sad about that didn't even come any day off no sadly not I had planned however um, the feedback from the guys was that um, he had a great time and so did they because I've seen the pictures online and everyone looked like they were stoked so yeah, it's good. It's a valid point. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for taking time out of your, I guess, it's a very visual schedule. Yeah, it's not Scheduling in me. That's very kind. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Um, have a lovely winter. Thank you very so much. So I normally stay. Are you staying here or are you going to go skiing? Yeah, I'm here for this out winter. Um, I'll be getting out. I'm going to, I've got a 
a week out booked in Switzerland, I've got a week out booked in France, so we're getting out doing a bit of snowboarding, checking out the parks out there and seeing what we can bring back to the chill park. What resorts are you going to? Eat? Um, uh, well, the Swiss, the Swiss resort isn't, it's booked, but it's not confirmed as to where it is. Um, it's either Grometz or South Fay, and then uh, I'm going to team in France. Ah, nice. Um, Super park there. Yeah, decent park. Do you get a lot of inspiration from that? Uh, yeah, I went to Sestriere just uh, last February and we had there was a fair bit of um, terrain park out there and there was some good ideas for integration of snow features with um, physical features, so rollers running into pipes and things like that that are just different that you've never you've never really if you if you ski in indoor domes in the UK there's not too much opportunity to do um, freestyle and things so introducing them into the slope um, and, and providing that opportunity that's where I kind of enjoy what I do as well giving that opportunity to people smashing Ryan thank you very much no problem whatsoever. So I have been banging on quite a bit about um, the summer skiing that I did out in Chavinia. And um, for Paddy, who spoke to Ian earlier, I really do like it. It's good fun going on the glacier. Anyway, while I was out there, I was skiing with Dave from Snowcrow Ski School. And he very kindly taught me how to wear my boots correctly. Turns out I've been doing it wrong all the time. Okay, fine. So what the first thing we're going to do, right, is we're going to look at uh, ski boots. So um, we just talked a second ago about how ski boots is the fit of your ski boots. It seems obvious, but often people, when they come to us to ski, they don't have their ski boots done up properly. So what we're going to do is just have a look. So when you put your boots on in the morning, what we're going to do is you get your boots on, and then what we really like you to do is just slide your heel up and down within your ski boots up and make sure that your heel is locked within the heel box in the boot. Can I set the skis up? Okay. <laughs> so once I've taken my skis off, that makes sense, doesn't it? Um, I had to lift my heel in and out and push it right to the back a few times and that really made it comfortable. And then the first thing Dave did was um, take that buckle that goes over the bridge of my foot so the second buckle on most skis up from the toe and did that up quite tight um so then the key part this is a key part so if you're holding my heel in place your heel is waving around in the in the ski you're not going to in the in the boot you're not going to get the connection with the snow that you want okay so that's a key thing um the second one that we're going to do up is then we're going to start from the top we're loosely going to go to the one that's right at the top here, and I'm loosely just going to pull that tight like that. Okay, then the next one down there, and that just completes your ankle. And the next one after that. It feels a lot more safe. Yeah, you're going to, feel, you're going to feel tighter in the boot. Here, then we're going to do up this called the power strap. Power. Or the, the Clark's Velcro. Yeah, exactly. Um, so here, I'm just going to pull that tight. And where we want that to be, Jim, is I don't want to be able to get anything more than maybe one finger between my shin and the and the cuff here, the front, okay. the front shin, uh, the front tongue. That's really crucial. You don't. This needs to be tight. This is your connection to your leg, the steering of the leg. And the ski. Sure. Okay. If this is loose, flapping around, and you'd be amazed how many people turn up and it's really loose. Okay. Um, it, it's not going to help you to ski. It's crucial. 
Um, once we've done that one, this one you adjust to tighten. This this one is not very good for audio, is it? This one, the first one, right? The first one, the one in black and white. Yeah, you basically tighten that according to comfort, and then because this power strap has pulled the top ones a little bit loose, you just adjust the top one and the one near your ankle on the cuff. You just adjust those for comfort there. And if you're not still not happy with this one on the bottom by your ankle, you can adjust that for comfort as well. Because the, heel, the heel is locked in now. Okay. Okay. So let's get the heel locked in. The heel is the key, right? It's got to be locked into the foot. So I was told that uh, the ones that go across my feet, on the top of my boot, should be like a finger tight. So just so your little pinky can push them down. Yeah. It shouldn't be ratcheted tight. No, because you're crushing your foot, right? The, 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 the ability of the foot and the toes to move mm -hmm. is crucial. Imagine you're walking along a street, you wouldn't crush your feet down into your shoes, would you? So it's the same with skiing. The, the toes have got to be able to move, to be balanced. And we'll cover that off when we look at balance as well. Alright. So I should do my other one the same. Does it feel the same, the other one? No, the other one really feels different. really different. Yeah. Right, this is comfy. Yeah. So if you can make both the same, that would be brilliant. Yeah, it would be. There you go. Thanks. Cruelly, Dave made me put my other boot on, all on my own. So you've just watched me do up my, my second boot. I have. I'm going to say it's still not quite as good as the way you did it, but I can't ask you to do it all the time. What do you want me to do now? So you're asking me to do it up all the time is <laughs> a very expensive service, right? But um, no, so what I'm asking you to do now is all I want you to do is ski just gently, normally, down to the bottom of this lift. And I want you to tell me if, as we get to the bottom, I want you to, want you to tell me what feels different. That's all. Okay. I'm going to do it. Cue me skiing like the best I've ever skied. Well, I skied down the hill anyway. So I've had my boots done properly. I've just done that run. And I'm going to say I felt more relaxed. I felt comfortable. My feet felt like they're in nicer places. I felt like I could find my edge better. Okay. But most of all, I felt happier. <laughs> oh, that's great, right? And it's like, a small change that you can yeah, make. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very small change. Make sure your boots are done properly and they're tight, and all of a sudden you've got more control, you're more comfortable, everything works better. It's the, it's the connection between your body and the, and the ski. It's got to be, it's not done up. You're losing that control. So, so I know from what I've done before that I feel better when I'm comfortable and more relaxed. Yeah. I know. There's a lot of people, that, you know, there's old school people who say, if you're not in pain, then you're not, out, you're not skiing properly and stuff like that. It's not, it shouldn't be that. It should be relaxed yeah. and soft. Cool, thanks for that, Dave. No worries. Top tip. On to the next one. So there we go, Ian. Boots, boots, boots. Tighten them up, do it properly. You know that they're really important, don't you, Ian? Uh, I I do. Um, it's interesting to hear what Dave had to say because um, I used to work for, for Profi that you might know in, in Fulham. They're a ski boot fitting place. And uh, Janine, who was there, we, we did a video, similar type of thing, and she talked through similar process, really. So since then, I have been doing my boots up correctly. So were you doing it wrong before that? Yeah, probably. I mean, definitely wasn't going for the bridge first. I'm not entirely sure if I can remember, you know, how I was doing it. But um, I tend to do mine up not too tight to start off with, have a couple of runs and then tighten them up a bit more. I have really expanding feet. They just they're in and out all the time. Like They're never the same size at all. And they get bigger. Are you sure it's Someone not said to me that's changing size? No, no, it's definitely my feet. Okay. Um, I can feel them growing. I've got really weird feet. Yeah, a bit like hobbits' feet. 
yeah, they are very much like Hobbit's feet. Um, and, you know, I was the sort of person, um, you go to Clark's when you're a child and they just go, tut at me and uh, yeah. go to the special cupboard. Right. Okay. <laughs> Here you go. You can have these. They should fit your weird feet. Yeah. Well, now, assuming that you've um, got your uh, boots to fit your uh, feet, um and there are lots of ways you can do that, modifications-wise, etc. Now you know how to do them up. Yep, do it properly. Makes a difference. Right, so um, uh, we've got another podcast to go, and then it's going to be the London... It's not the London Ski Show anymore. It's just the Ski and Snowboard... Show. No, just What is it called, Ian? It's called the London Ski and Snowboard Festival. It's yeah, that hard right. to remember with all of these different things but it's not a ski show that's a gist i noticed they sent out an email the other day saying their hashtag is might have forgotten but it's something like you know london ski festival it's not london ski show or london show which or ski show that's the one that's been the best before. <laughs> <laughs> i'm just going to call it the london ski show like i always have i'm really sorry yeah um i mean people will know what I'd you're talking about yeah, totally. I'd be interested. I know you 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 like this sort of nerdy stuff. What do people search for when they're looking for that particular? Yeah, de- oh, show? for sure they'll be searching for London Ski Show. When I was at Natives, we used to have a page on the site, a kind of micro site about the ski show, and we used to get a lot of traffic uh, from that. And at one point, we scored even higher than the official show website. And there's no way people well. There'll be a certain volume of people who will search for the ski festival, but most people will be searching for the ski show. And it's, you know, one of those classic problems when you rebrand to to try and get that message across. Uh, You know, I haven't actually checked to see what would happen if you typed in London Ski Show. I imagine they still all have that that XP that they'll appear at the top anyway. Yeah, they do. In fact, in fact, here we go. This is a good one. So it's called the uh, ski and snowboard uh, festival london's alpine festival um however um the title of the page is london ski show and the ski and snowboard show so they haven't actually changed their their kind of metadata on there if that means anything to you you're listening to live Googling um, on the podcast. Um, how disappointed would you be in if um, you'd searched ski festival um, and been slightly um, stupid and then booked tickets expecting to be going to snow bombing or something? You thought you were going to... Is that like people who book for Sydney and they end up in that place in Newfoundland in Canada? Yeah, yeah I think exactly. that's kind of Darwinism, got, isn't it? Tickets. You know, people, if that happens, you kind of deserve it, really. You deserve it. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, yeah, we've had some uh, oh, book what recommendations. Um, a lady called Becca Holm, thanks for getting in touch. She suggests that we try The Full Line. It's not the magazine. Um, the Full Line, um, America's Rise to the um, Ski Racing's Summit um, by a guy called uh, Nathaniel Vinton. Essentially, it's about the bleak period when the Americans were really rubbish at ski racing and then the Bodie Millers, the Lindsay Vons came on, they become heroes right. again. So it's the rise and the rise of. Um, did you say there was another? Or there was a. Yeah, Charles Kenton Middlesester. That is such a common name. Uh, there's, there's a hundred of those at my school. 
um, he's recommended a, a Wall of White, which is a book um, about um, a huge avalanche that happened back in 1982 um, in Alpine Meadows near Lake Tahoe. And it's about um, the ch- uh, one woman who survived and the challenges that the ski um, pisters and those sort of heroes went through to rescue them. So we could read one of those two books. Okay, let me let me think about it and have a little look at them on uh, online. I think a wall of white sounds more interesting. I'm not really so into ski racing, although Bodie Miller's quite a cool character. Yeah, he is. He's my wife's favourite. She's got a poster. Okay. Of <laughs> right. Um, do you think that <laughs> those two um, listeners, commenters, are based in America? Both of those two books are about America, or are they just coincidence that they're? Uh, do we have global reach? If there are any listeners out there, tweet us at the Ski Podcast uh, and give us a, a review on the, on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Let us know. I'd like to know where you're from. Nicely done, Ian. Um, I can send you the stats for that, actually. But I won't Google it now because we've already done that section. Right, that is all we've got time for on the <laughs> Ski Podcast. Like Ian said, don't forget to tweet us at the Ski Podcast. You can email ian at theskipodcast.com or me with jim at the ski um, you can find us on facebook and check out our website the ski podcast where you can listen back to all all of our fabulous episodes a big thanks to the chill um factory in manchester it is the northwest premier ski and snowboard center um, and i can thoroughly recommend it they've got very good snow thanks a lot Ian. no problem You were listening to The Ski Podcast with Jim Duncan and Ian Martin. It was edited by Jim at home in his office and produced by the pair of them. They're very clever. And sponsored by The Chill Factory, the North West's premier ski indoor snow centre.